They waited anxiously for him to go on. Well, the farmer continued, approaching his point with slow relish. He came riding on a big black horse in at the gate, which happened to be open, and right up to my door. All black he was himself, too, and cloaked and hooded up, as if he did not want to be known. Now what in the shire can he want, I thought to myself. We don't see many of the big folk over the border, and anyway, I had never heard of any like this black fellow. Good day to you, I says, going out to him. This lane don't lead anywhere, and wherever you may be going, your quickest way will be back to the road. I didn't like the looks of him, and when Grip came out, he took one sniff and let out a yelp as if he had been stung. He put down his tail and bolted off howling. The black fellow sat quite still. I come from yonder, he said, slow and stiff-like, pointing back west over my fields, if you please. Have you seen Baggins? he asked in a queer voice, and bent down towards me. I could not see any face, for his hood fell down so low, and I felt a sort of shiver down my back, but I did not see why he should come riding over my land so bold. Be off, I said. There are no Bagginses here. You're in the wrong part of the Shire. You had better go back west to Hobbiton, but you can go by road this time. Baggins has left, he answered in a whisper. He is coming. He is not far away. I wish to find him. If he passes, will you tell me? I will come back with gold. No, you won't, I said. You'll go back where you belong, double quick. I give you one minute before I call all my dogs. He gave a sort of hiss. It might have been laughing, and it might not. Then he spurred his great horse right at me, and I jumped out of the way only just in time. I called the dogs, but he swung off and rode through the gate and up the lane towards the causeway like a bolt of thunder. What do you think of the Way Lesser Inklings podcast? will pay homage to the great thinkers, writers, and philosophers of the early 20th century known as the Inklings by mining great works of literature to examine the good, the true, and the beautiful in order that both us as host and the listener would be enriched and able to see the beauty of God's creation through the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. My name is Josh Rice, and I'm joined again by my brother, Jake. Uh, we're going to embark on chapter four today, I believe, which is a shortcut to mushrooms, you know, hobbits in the woods and that kind of stuff. We're, we're kind of continuing that. Um, as, as always, we're going to, we're going to start the episode off by talking about the narrative, what actually happened in this chapter. So Jake, why don't you get us caught up to speed with what happens in a shortcut to mushrooms? Yeah. So, uh, the hobbits, uh, awake after their, uh, night with the elves, um, in a in a comfy in a comfy bed or a bower <laughs> i actually had to look that up mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so basically in a grass or a fern bed that the elves had assembled um but so they wake up uh and and work on their decision for for their path um frodo wants to get to buckland today and so um so he's faced with the choice of of which way to go he chooses to stay off of the road and take a, uh, quote unquote shortcut, um, in a direct line towards Buckland. Uh, and in that process, they skip important things like the golden perch, um, <laughs> and <laughs> roll through, roll through some brambles and bush. Um, they do stay off the road. They do see the black riders, um, or see one. And for the first time they hear a call, uh, thus communicating to, to them that there, there are clearly more than one, which was just a conjecture before this point. And I think importantly that, that they can communicate with each other at, at some distance. 
um, which adds some terror to the party. Uh, upon breaking through their shortcut, they come across Farmer Maggot, uh, his land, and cut across his fields. Um, and I'll cut some of that out, but but basically they have dinner with with Farmer Maggot, and he uh, he loads them up in his wagon and takes them to the ferry, where they in they encounter a surprise guest at the end, and so. And so thus the short, uh, and then also a surprise package from the maggots is uh, a box of mushrooms that we'll probably also discuss, but our shortcut to mushrooms is thus encapsulated. <laughs> yeah. So one of the most important things we learn in this chapter is that the hobbits, like all red blooded people love mushrooms. Yes, and, exactly. <laughs> and, and not the uh, psychedelic kind, the kind right. that you cut up and put on steaks and stuff and right. pizzas and all that. So yeah, yeah. they, they love mushrooms. That's yeah. really good. So I think I think one of the things that we had talked about before we started the episode today was that really this may sound controversial, but it's it's not. I think we're going to show why. But this this yeah. chapter really does not progress the narrative at all. Right. Like it, it's you know people will say the same thing about kind of the Tom Bombadil stuff later. I think they're probably wrong about that, uh, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. In this one though, you know if he could have just as easily had Frodo, you know, running through some forested area to cross the ferry and wind up at Crick Hollow and just move on to the next chapter. Like that probably mm-hmm. could have been accomplished in a page or so. So the the question is, if it doesn't move the story forward, as far as the narrative goes, why is this chapter here? Right. Yeah. I think uh, my answer would be that um, a couple things are going on that one is he's introducing, um, early on in the journey of the ring, the burden of the ring on Frodo, because uh, some of the the things that happen with Frodo in this chapter, that he's deciding on how to pursue the journey on whether to cut out his friends and go alone. Um, And he's also already, I think exhibiting some, some anger that comes with um, just kind of being pressed that we really don't get any of his character. Cause even when he's exasperated uh, with like the Sackville Bagginses in early chapters, he's never snippy. Yeah. The most um, aggressive he gets is it says that he didn't offer him tea. Right. <laughs> back in, back in chapter two. Yeah. And so I think there's, those are a couple of the, of the big things is, is we're starting to experience, um, you know, really the burden of the ring on Frodo really, really early on some of the early burdens, but yeah. What are you, what are you seeing there? Um, you know, I'm doing my pastor thing, a Baptist pastor. I've, I, I saw two big themes in it, and that was what I'd call the two C's. I got conscience and I got community. Yeah, um, nice. So, so <laughs> what, what's going on is I, I think there is a big theme that I think it's not so subtle. I think there's a theme of community in this because Frodo is really almost fighting against wisdom. Gandalf has told him to take Sam. Um, as we'll talk when we talk about Sam, the elves get involved and they just kind of assume that Sam needs to go because Gandalf said it. That's their wisdom. Frodo's mm-hmm. really fighting against this. Frodo is weighed down. He he knows that it would be a lot better or it would feel a lot better if he had people with him because it's a daunting journey to go by yourself. And then I think we see also lines of community. So there's the community of the ring, like what's going to become the fellowship of the ring. Like this is really the start of it. But I think also there's community involved in Farmer Maggot because there's a lot of talk about Frodo 
settling down in the neighborhood and, and kind of the ties that are going to bind like farmer maggot would be a really good neighbor. And we'll get mm-hmm. into why, as we talk about him. So I see that big theme that as, as far as pushing the narrative, I do think that the community aspect pushes the narrative. The book is called the fellowship of the ring. So yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a beginning of that. The conscious one is a little more subtle. I think what you see is that Frodo is troubled in his conscience about bringing them, you know, bringing Sam and wanting to bring Pippin, but saying, oh, I can't do that. It's too dangerous. It's too bad. He's he's really burdened and toiling in that. He's also burdened mm-hmm. in his conscience because he used to steal mushrooms from Farmer Maggot, and he's afraid of him. You know, yeah. so you, you get this way back with Frodo. He's kind of weighed down. Well, I think his inverse in this chapter is Pippin, where Pippin's just like joking, singing at the top of his lungs with the Black mm-hmm. Riders following him around, like mm-hmm. making jokes about shortcuts. Like Pippin is just like, it just totally like a free conscience, right? He's, yeah. he's not worried about anything. I think, I think there's a real contrast there, but I do think that that point is kind of subtle. You know, yeah. I, that's the first time I've ever thought of it in this chapter. And, you know, I've, mm. I've read this thing lots of times. So. Yeah. I thought I saw it there. I think that's why it's there. I think this is a psychological chapter. I think it's setting up characters. And I think, you know, Tolkien, you would see in like his, his unpublished works, Tolkien would talk all the time about when people were making adaptations, the thing that he would absolutely draw the line on, what you should never do is mess with his characters. Mm -hmm. You know, the characters need to be who they are. And I think this is a character chapter. Yeah. Who is Frodo? This is really kind of the first time we start to see, behind you know behind his eyes a little bit what's going right. on in his head right yeah yeah definitely so um i think that's a good kind of moving in and to you know important characters which mm-hmm. is you know a big thing that we talk about in in, right. in every chapter so yeah so who who are the important characters in in this chapter yeah so it's the obvious ones are you know frodo sam and pippin and yeah. then we get obviously important is farmer maggot and then the black riders are who are bringing tension in this chapter right like yeah. it doesn't feel like a lollygagging chapter because there's a constant specter of the black riders yeah which they're very important for that reason right Th- this chapter he he really has a sense of pace and he almost fools you into thinking you're progressing the the narrative yeah. here right? right while he's doing the character study it's really well done yeah. um then bit characters are you know maggot's wife and the uh, the mystery stranger at the at the ferry at night and yeah they're probably in there we can you know we yeah. we laughed at spoilers earlier but we can keep that one in our back pocket a little longer right. <laughs> I, I think some minute. people listen that might not remember all, all right. that well or have yeah. only seen the movies and this yeah. is different from the movies very different yeah yeah um, there's one so I want to throw one in it's actually one that you said uh, as we were talking earlier in the week um, but the road as a character. Yeah. Um, cause, cause I do think like, obviously not as any, as any development, but really as as an obstacle to be dealt with. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause there's a decision, like the road is dangerous and, um, but, and so like, so, so Tolkien builds tension just by talking about the road, <laughs> you know, and largely he because does. of who's on it, but the road from here on out is a place of great tension. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be stuff later where they're, you know, it's like a big debate of when to cross the road. 
you know, mm-hmm. or or yeah. to trust to the road. There's like places they have to be on the road. And it's interesting, you know, Farmer Maggot, who, you know, Maggot is vaguely aware of danger. Like, you know, he sees the Black Riders as being just weird people that don't belong in the Shire. You know, he's mm-hmm. not really connecting them with the menace that they are. Um, yeah. But he says, you know, they're talking about the shortcut that they went on. And Maggot said, you know, well, the road would have served you better if you needed to to get there on time. Kind of that like yeah. saucy Hobbit sense thing. Right. But, it, but he doesn't know. And I, I do agree. I think I think Tolkien is set up like this is something that's really going to be a theme throughout the all of Frodo's journey is yeah. the road's a dangerous place. There's there's yeah. always pursuit on it. There's always eyes watching. Sauron is is almost, you know, cast as they're you know, they're almost like um, omnipresent it seems like mm-hmm. you know the black riders kind of like how do they how do they come in and find you like you're off you know randomly going through the wilderness and you know here comes the black rider over that hill yeah and that that sets up a lot of tension because it just seems like they're everywhere right right and I, we learn later how many there are in the shire i can't quite remember i want to i want to say it's four or five yeah yeah I thought it was five, but I know we'll find out soon. Yeah, that, I think I think we get that. We may have to wait till Gandalf's recap back maybe when we get to Rivendell. But right, there's definitely some mention of what's going on there at Bree. We see more of them, but yeah, skipping ahead. Yep. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a pretty good character thing. And so if we're if we're kind of going off this idea of Frodo's psyche, his burden, the idea of the importance of the fellowship and community, so how my real question would be like, how, how are we getting there? Is that something we're making up or is that something you see explicitly? So Frodo being burdened, mm-hmm. I think, I think we see it in a couple of places and you're putting together snappiness. Yeah. Um, why? So do you think farmer maggot, this is a tough question. I probably should ask this one. So Go for it. Do you think that farmer maggot is actually playing into this same idea of just this, you know, the growing burden in Frodo's mind? Because Maggot seems strange. It's kind of a random chance that they come across, and and I think Tolkien likes his character and puts him in. Um, yeah, is he is he pushing that theme, or do you think he's there for other reasons? Um, no, I I think, hmm. no, I think that he's probably uh, there one because he. I think Maggot makes it known that if you know if Frodo is living in Buckland, that he's going to help him out and take care of him. And so, right. So there's a part of it where no matter where Frodo's going, like there's going to be community for him. He's, Mm. he's going to be thrust into community, um, which is interesting because uh, he basically what he has seemingly in, uh, in the Shire is Sam and really Sam is his servant. Mm -hmm. You know, his, his best friends are, are Bucklanders. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, other than Bilbo. Yeah, it is strange. Uh, it seems like the relationships you form, like maybe there's a nod to that, that like your, your best friends, like kind of those lifetime ones are people that are kind of formed at a certain age a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting because Frodo, yeah. Frodo's really never become like his, his dearest friends were not in Hobbiton, even though he's right. lived there for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And, yeah, it's something just that real quick uh, side Eddie on that because something I've thought about a lot um, with yeah friends that 
uh, you know, that you have lifelong friends from an early age. And I think a big part of that is, is that, um, a lot of times at an early age, you go through tensions and conflicts a lot. Mm-hmm. And so in whatever, it, I think a lot of times it's a school or sports or like that kind of setting where it forces sort of competition and conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a beauty when conflict gets resolved face to face with honesty, you know, like, and, and, and that it just for like, obviously as brothers, <laughs> we've had a lot of conflict over the years, right. but we've, we've, we've dealt with it and lived together in it. And it's something that I think as you get into adulthood, you don't have those in, in, in essence, you're not having those battles with adult friends in the same ways. And some of that comes from immaturity, I think, right? You just do stupider things when you're younger um, to, you know, to and with your friends. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it, it galvanizes those relationships to be stronger because, because you, you've battled through stuff together. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a side Eddie that, that it kind of occurs to me that I think you're onto something there because, you know, in, in some ways this story about Frodo as it goes on really is about who his deepest and dearest friend is, because by the end of this story, there's no question who it is. It's Sam, Mm -hmm. right. The, the, the servant role gets changed. Like he's not, he's not really thought of as a different class. In fact, he, he lives in bag end, you know, at the end and, and he invites Frodo to live with him, with his family, you know, Frodo and him have become basically closer than brothers. And the, the reason that that's happened is that they were together basically to hell and back, Yeah, you know, that, that they went through it all together and that they were absolutely true to each other all the way through. I think that yeah. is an interesting thing. I think, I think especially for male relationships, yeah. there is like a, there's a trial by fire thing that has to happen. And and yeah. we see, and, and the reason I don't think it's a side Eddie is because now, you know, Tolkien again puts this ribbing in from Pippin, you know, right. Frodo wakes up late. He's the last one to wake up probably because he was yeah. talking to the elves till three in the morning. You know, right. I think we're kind of getting yeah. that. And, and when he jumps up, you know, he says, well, we, we got to get started. We got a late start. We slept late. And Pippin says, no, you slept you late. Slept late. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> right. it, it occurs to me now, as you saying that, that's something you say to a friend, right? You know, I, you're, you're not with a bunch of like random guys on some kind of weird, like, you know, mission trip or like church camp or something you're not yeah. just razzing somebody right. that's kind of right a, you know an acquaintance yeah it, it that's something that i would there. say to you <laughs> yeah right yeah it wasn't yeah. it wasn't us what's this us talk that's you it, well yeah. that's something cooper would do all the time for sure right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's yeah. pretty good um i yeah. i think that i think that maggot almost piles on to Frodo's burden because I think he shows I think he shows something I think Frodo's going to remember this because Frodo Frodo is good right we know that mm-hmm. in the story Frodo yep. is selfless you know he's he's bearing the ring he's taking all this pain on himself but he does not have he does not have like a pristine past and sat in fact Farmer Maggot says that he was the worst little you know young hobbit in Buckland yeah. right at the time he was just right Matt, you know, rampaging around stealing mushrooms all the time, you know, stealing yep. livelihood. And Frodo feels very guilty about that. And I, yeah. I think Tolkien uses that to, to do two things. I think to show 
hey, this weight, you know, there's no way out of the ring, but there's another way, like Frodo's going to have to learn to, you know, to get rid of this idea that he's, he needs to go it alone. And what he needs to do is he needs to trust people who are good to trust his yeah. friends. And what he, what he does is, you know, he learns that repentance, like making this relationship straight leads mm-hmm. to this, this great ally who really helps him out. Yeah. And at the end, right. He doesn't have to steal mushrooms. Right. It is. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting because he, in their first interaction, he's he doesn't reveal who he is. He's not quick to reveal who he is out of fear that mm-hmm. Maggot will remember. We find out that Maggot does remember who he is, but he doesn't say anything until Frodo confesses, right? Mm-hmm. Confesses who he is and 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 how he had wronged Maggot in the past. Yeah, it is interesting. That is a that is a really great conversation. Um, so why, so Frodo real coy, so they come up, do you, let's go here. We can backtrack if we need to, Yeah. but so they're running from the black riders. They wind up in these fields, right? I think it's like turnip fields and, Mm -hmm. and Pippin says, Hey, I, I know where we're at. Mm -hmm. We're in, we're in farmer maggots fields. And Frodo says something like, it could, it's really like, could there be anything worse? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like what a day here we've things have gone from bad to worse and Pippin's like what do you mean maggot's a good guy right you know? yeah and Frodo's like well he told me that if i ever got caught in his fields again that he'd have his dogs eat me you right. know and they, and they chased him <laughs> like he basically ran with those dogs chasing him you know all yeah. the way back across you know yeah. back to back across the ferry and, right but when when they come up to maggot you know the three of them come up the dogs are barking everything seems on edge and maggot seems a little bit you know he's really standoffish mm-hmm. so i'm gonna let you do like what's happened here and frodo didn't want to tell him his name he knows pippin right maggot yep says master per- master pippin or should i say master peregrine to yeah. kind of that official right. thing right very, remember like very formal yeah pippin is Pippin's a somebody in the Shire, right? Like yep. he he carries a respect with him, you know, right. kind of kind of some hierarchy. But right. Maggot is yeah. on edge. So so what's going on yeah. there? Yeah. Right. So Maggot's had a dealing with a black rider trespassing on his land, um, looking for looking for baggins. And uh and so um which th- that that interchange is interesting because we know that we know that there's that the black riders operate on fear um but and and maggot's dog is like whimpering or backing away but maggot's pretty like he's obviously on edge and but but he's you know you see the you see the sternness of of an old you know an old stout hobbit here because he does stand his ground mm-hmm. with the black rider and he gives him, and he gives, a, and he gives a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you get out of here, or I'll, you know, I'll put the dogs on you, you know, <laughs> even though the dogs are hiding off in the, in the corner yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So for the record, no yeah. one else in this story does that at right. any point. Like, only hobbits until yeah. the very end with Eowyn. Really, like, mm-hmm. no one else has this kind of interaction with yeah. the Black Riders, like the Gaffer and. Mm-hmm. People are, people are terrified of them. 
right? Yeah. People are absolutely terrified. And so we see that hobbits have this kind of resiliency. And I think that's yeah. a subtext in this chapter too, is because they agree, you know, they forget that the black riders chase them and they start singing songs loudly. <laughs> You're like, man, what, what is yeah. going on here? If I, right. if I look, if it looked like a demon incarnate was chasing me around in the woods, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I would forget what was happening and start singing a chorus. You Be know, singing that, my pub crawl song <laughs> in the middle of the woods. <laughs> that is really what happens. It, it, it seems yeah. like the hobbits, you know, there is something to them. And Maggot really almost proves himself to be, I think there's something in the name. Yeah. The Hobbits are people of the land. We talked about that in the prologue, right? They're they're people yeah. who like good tilled earth. And it, it occurs to me, like the name Maggot, you know, obviously Tolkien, Tolkien was very careful when he mm-hmm. named characters. Like there was always yeah. a, a communication, something he's trying to express. And I think, I think in yeah. Maggot's sense, it's like this idea of, you know, just being really an earthy kind of just yeah. tough, you know, down to earth, salt of the earth kind of guy who's not going to get knocked off of he's, he set his mind. Nobody's going to mess with him. And that really right. comes across as this, yeah. as this hooded black, yeah. you know, yeah. black hissing. shadow, <laughs> hissing thing, hissing person comes up to his door and says, have you seen Baggins right. you know, with, the, with the, the italics? And uh-huh. he's just like, he's like, get out of here, you know? Yeah. The, so the black rider offers him money. You know, if yep. you, if you tell me where he is, you'll get gold. And he says, no, you won't. You'll go back yeah. where you belong. Double quick. I'll give you one minute before I call all my dogs. Yeah. The funny thing here is that the, you know, that the dogs are all hiding because the black rider terrifies them. Right. <laughs> There's not going to be sickened dogs on them. Right, even the even the animals have the wherewithal to be frightened of the black riders, <laughs> but not the hobbits. Yeah, and I think we we get a hint later that that Maggot was afraid, like he really was yeah. rattled by this, you know. Yeah. But there's things that are more important to him, and he really wants yeah. to protect the Shire. He sees it as yeah. a responsibility that he lives close to the river, which he kind of yeah. waves at ominously. Yeah, right. People that live over here by the river have this responsibility yeah. to be watching for weird yeah. people that don't belong in my country. Right. You know, so he's maybe a hobbit nationalist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I mean, probably so. And I think like we've talked about that, that there isn't like a sort of tribalist nationalist. Cause it's, it is weird that like they kind of snipe at each other from the tribes, but there mm-hmm. still is the protection. Like they all very much, desire the bordered community that they have yeah right you know it's weird they they constantly you know the people in hobbiton kind of like look down on the on the ones that are over near the border and the people that are defending you know that are kind of keeping that watch on the border they look down on the ones at hobbiton and think oh they're they're kind of weird but really what we will see is there there really is one shire you know by the time this the story concludes like the shire is pretty unified when you get right, right down to it the, the tribal right. thing kind of goes away quick yeah because they are one people right and i think um, maybe it's not to say now but i think for much of our history we we would have that joke around like someone from massachusetts and <laughs> but when it came down to it right like when it came down to it we were all like maybe i don't know about now <laughs> and i'm not yeah. we're not here to do that commentary but you know, but 
when it came to it in the in our history, we're all together. Yeah, I think I think nations that have had, um, you know, nations that have had organic borders, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, like for example, like we're a good example. I think UK is a good yeah. example where you've you've got like a people that had shared customs, you know, shared yeah. kind of overreaching thing, and when that right when when that border they they do kind of drop their arguments when when threatened with a with an outside force and i think you see that and again that's kind of a you know i think there's shades of that in this chapter but it's also that idea of unity like the the shire is strong not only because there's people that we'll learn about later protecting it right but also because the people within are pretty united yeah and i will say like i don't know that this chapter particularly um brings it to focus but but tolkien was a serviceman and mm-hmm. you know fought in world war one and so the themes of like camaraderie and brotherhood that we talked about earlier and the themes of nationalism are are going to be themes that he cares deeply about because he he did go fight for those things mm-hmm. and so and 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 i think you know there's other other writings about him um about how he he was one of a few uh, veterans of World War One to write in a positive light about war after the fact, mm-hmm. um, not in a like the war is good, but war serves a purpose that it's that in in many cases it's not pointless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he would have seen yeah huge amounts of suffering, you know, huge mm-hmm. amounts of death, you know, whole whole villages lost all their boys, you know, yeah. in, in that war it was really beyond it changed a lot of things, you know, it was yeah. beyond people's imagination, and then he yeah. comes back and. And I, I think it's this is a good place. We may forget later. Yeah, I think this chapter is a pretty good reminder that the Lord of the Rings is not escapism, right? You know, the, I think I think people think that like people think of fantasy as being an escapist entertainment. Lord of the Rings is clearly not escapism. Lord Lord of the Rings is a worldview building. You yeah. know, build rich characters. Not not trying to escape to the world. I think that's to miss the point. I think I think the point is to learn virtue, you yeah. know, to learn the way, to learn lessons, and to yeah. to bring those into the world and, and take those things and put them in your life. I really do think that's a that's a thing Tolkien would want people to right. understand. I think there's right. characters that make that pretty clear as we go through. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think it's a I don't think his work is a particular commentary on on any one thing, but. He, but he does particularly comment on virtue, mm-hmm. um, and and so that that's going to be a through line for sure. Uh, well, do you want to? I, yeah. I think I think I want to talk a little bit about the enemy. Like we get in here, I don't want to go yeah. too long, but I do want to. We we get them talking, and you know we get. Boy, I I gotta say th- this chapter is one that even though even though maybe it kind of gets lost in the deck for people. This chapter really has a chilling, you know, real, like it really brings the black riders into, I think, terrifying zone. That that conversation yeah. with maggot is scary. I think yeah. they're the way they show up, but I want to talk a little bit about their methods, you know, and yeah. probably help, you know, this is one of those places where we can kind of go deep and help people who have maybe only read the Lord of the Rings and have not kind of delved into the, the backstory, the further lore. Right. I'm sure we'll do that in proper at some point if we, you know, keep recording indefinitely. There's a lot of work to mine. But right. Sauron here, so we get the we get the enemy. 
this is one of the one of the things Tolkien actually gets criticized for by people is the the black and white nature of of characters. Like it, mm-hmm. they get bundled up as archetypes. Yeah. Do you do you think that that's a valid criticism? Um, I used to think so, uh, but I wholly disagree now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple things going on. Is that well, first that he this this story what what Tolkien is great at is storytelling, and this story isn't is not about Sauron's backstory. Mm-hmm. Like so, so for us to look at it and go, well, I don't get a I don't get a detailed backstory of Sauron. And so as an enemy, he's incomplete. Well, that's not true because that's not what this story is about. Mm-hmm. This story is about the journey of the ring, you know, and, and the characters that are involved with the ring. Mm-hmm. And so, so now Sauron is an imminent threat and he is important to that, but, but it's not about his, what, you know, whatever got him to this point. He's just, he's evil because he's already evil by this point. Right. And I think, I think we see on two sides here. Like I definitely wanted to go here. This is a thought I had in this chapter is that we see that the good guys, the protagonists are not archetypes here. Mm-hmm. Right. We get, we get Sam who really is as loyal as he can be, but he's also like, you know, he's pretty small minded. He's kind of tribalistic in the Shire. Like he, you know, and him and Pippin both would rather just kind of like, like the Black Riders are chasing him around. They'd really just like want to stop at this tavern on the way, right. you know, and, and have the best beer in the East Farthing. <laughs> right. Like that, I got to tell you, like that's, that could be a lot of things, but that's not an archetype. You know, yeah. that, that's not a knight in shining, shining armor. That's a, that's a real person who does not perceive the situation mm-hmm. clearly yet, you right. know, and, and, and Frodo is, honorable dignified but he's also you know he's he's fighting you know trying to protect things that aren't his call to protect it's it's not his job to protect sam from going sam can go you know he he's trustworthy he's a trustworthy friend and pippin too but the enemy here like i think we get sauron as we see like basically a post-fall sauron who is unable to take on a form of attractiveness anymore. He's been cursed right. that way. Uh, yep. That's in the backstories that, that Sauron could appear really like as an angel of light, but yeah. he can't do that anymore. So he really only has fear and coercion as his tools, right. but there's other yep. antagonists in this story. that are not archetypes. You know, Sauron mm-hmm. is constantly offered, you know, avenues for repentance, avenues to make yep. it right. We see that like the yep. Sackville Baggins is right. that, we didn't talk a ton about, but there, there's an arc there where even as a minor character, they're given a pathway back. Yeah. But the Black Riders themselves are fallen kings mm-hmm. who really serve as almost like like evil spirits at this point. Yeah. I know we'll learn more yeah. about that later, but they, they are altogether evil. And Sauron right. himself is altogether evil, really in right. the sense of angelic fall where they're beyond redemption. They yep. are just evil. Run from them. Yep. And I don't think Tolkien handles the mortal creatures the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Well, even because we'll encounter another um, immortal right mm-hmm. spirit later in, in this book um, and others. But even even characters like who who aren't antagonist characters, but are on an antagonist bent like um, uh, like Theoden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and worm tongue, and mm-hmm. um, and and there are others. It's like 
like what I think what Tolkien often is doing is look there like evil evil is a path like evil is a path of decisions right and once mm-hmm. w- once once the spirit has been broken to evil like it's that's permanent that's where Sauron and the black riders are right they're they're spirits of evil at this point they're not mm-hmm. beings of evil they're spirits of evil you know where the beings the beings who are practicing evil ha- have an opportunity to 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 repent and turn mm-hmm. even even Gollum which we'll right. see like Gollum did yeah. not make it all the way into the spirit world. Yeah. He was close. You know, if yeah. you read it, we'll, we'll see that later, but, yeah. but it's there. Um, I, I was kind of, I was thinking through that and just, just interesting here, you know, as I was looking at the nature of why, why are these guys so scary in this chapter? Like really at this point in the story, we don't know much about them. We're, we're really just told by really powerful beings that to fear them, they're evil. And it, mm-hmm. and it occurs to me that, you know, I think, I think it's just because Tolkien uses place, he uses the road, he uses mystery, right? Yeah. And he, and really, quite explicitly, he used the shadow of the past, you know, yes. which which was a really pivotal chapter for propelling kind of this first part of the story is because yeah. he's given us just a little bit of a taste, a little window into what's going on behind the scenes. And and the fact that it's happening in the Shire, I think, almost subconsciously horrifies us. Right. Right. Like right. Pippin, Pippin and Maggot don't get it, but we get it as the reader. Yeah. And and in a sense, then, because like, and Frodo gets it is like it's it's happening in your own like think literally your own backyard, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's not happening out there. In, you know, we see it in whatever it's in Washington DC or it's in New Orleans or Las Vegas. No, it's, it's right here. It's, it's in, you know, it's in your, it's in your little town. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It it would almost be like if we, if we had some kind of riot, you know, where downtown Rogers or, you know, Springdale or something was, you know, burned to the ground and like 40 people got killed. Mm -hmm. We, we would, you know, I think our reaction might be somewhat like Frodo's a couple of chapters back when he's told that, you know, Gollum was like a hobbit. We would be like, that's abominable. Like, mm-hmm. How in the world? Because I think we like to, as long, as long as evil is kind of a, a figment, kind of a relative thing that's way out there. That's not in our face. I think yeah. we, we kind of push it off and don't really think about it. And I think there's a theme in the story that that's just not a long-term solution. Like right. people of virtue have to fight against evil and yeah. the way, the way, and I think what this chapter is doing is I think it's grouping the people together and yeah. saying, you know, it, it reminds me, and I think it's Jeremiah who despaired and you know, said, you know, God, there's no one, yeah. no one who loves you, no one who follows your law. And, and God says, you don't know about the 7,000 that I have mm-hmm. here, you know, that that we don't we don't have that understanding, but we've seen it with Gildor in the last chapter, and we see it with yeah. Farmer Maggot here. Is that there's help on the way, and yeah. it's not going to take long for us to run into, you know, the exact same situation again. There's unlooked for help on the way because there's a lot of people who are fighting against evil in their own way. The yeah. power is in that unified task, right. understanding yeah. that. I think that's a yeah. really big thing going here. Yeah, and it's a little and. It's a it's a little bit arrogant of Frodo to think that he should or could do it by himself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, particularly particularly against the counsel of of Gandalf and and Gildor. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Uh, what did you want to do with the the mushrooms? Like you said, <laughs> yeah. So the so they they have a meal with Maggot. Maggot tells yeah. them about you know his interaction with the Black Rider, and then Maggot yeah. tells them that he'll take him in the wagon to the ferry, you know, to cross yeah. the river so that they don't have to, you know, go from, go across the brush again. Right. And they set the offer, you know, yeah. they're, they're going across and as they, as they, they, they're listening, you know, it's tense, right? They're listening yep. for signs on the road. Cause they're, they're on the road now. Yeah. Yeah. And they hear finally they're they're They see the fog on the river and they're, it's in the dark and they're close and they hear clip clopping. Yep. Right. They they hear hooves, and so Frodo hides in the back. And yeah. There's kind of some stuff going on, and it turns out that the uh, the stranger on the pony is Mary, yep. Brady Buck, Mary Doc, <laughs> and he's been yeah. looking around in the ditches everywhere, trying, trying, to, <laughs> right. trying to see if Frodo's right. hurt in a ditch somewhere. Not terrifying at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and we we end this chapter with. Yeah. You know them them leaving. You know crossing the ferry with Mary to go to the house, and there's a basket that's handed to him, but it's a basket full of mushrooms that yeah. that Maggot's wife has given him. Yeah, what's your takeaway yeah. there? I I love I love this moment because, like, the really the like the just recompense here would be Frodo providing mushrooms back to the maggots that he stole, mm-hmm. plus some. And and the maggots extending, basically right a grace gift to Frodo, um, you know, and he he laughs. I think, you know, like I love that I love that he laughs when he uncovers the basket because it it is it's a joyous gift, but it's also a little bit like I don't it may be from maggot like a little bit of a tongue in cheek gift of like I want you to have these, but I still remember. <laughs> <laughs> no but i I do see it more i do see it more as like you know the right the right thing would have been frodo paying back you know Mm -hmm. uh paying back for what he took and and maggot in his generosity right just gives the gift even more which is i think is is a really lovely thing and and to to kind of like what you had mentioned earlier that extension of friendship of hey we're going to be neighbors again you know at least in his mind and so right welcome like welcome back Mm -hmm. it's going there's you know this path is straight yeah i I think that's something that you know we long for there's there's few things more stressful i think than having crooked paths with people you know that the the person that you kind of like don't want to talk to, you know, that there's, there's something between you. And I think especially when you know, it's on your end that you've wronged them and there's, Mm -hmm. there's this hesitation to, to go do the thing that you're supposed to do and reconcile and make that path straight, you know, ask for forgiveness to repent and ask for forgiveness. And I think in this case, like it's almost a deal where I love this as a high school teacher because it's a thing that, I struggled with for a long time is that my teacher, you know, people that knew me in my teenage years knew me when I was at my most idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully that I'll ever be in my life. Right. <laughs> Extremely yeah. idiotic stuff going on. And it, it's a, I think Tolkien puts a nice reminder in here that, you know, everybody knows that you have foolishness in your youth. 
Everybody yeah. knows that there's sins of your youth. And Maggot does not have this crystallized impression of Frodo, right? Mm-hmm. He he knows, like, the biggest, really the biggest thing Maggot has against Frodo in this chapter is not that Frodo used to steal mushrooms from him. It's that Frodo moved over to Hobbiton where, he, you know, he should have stayed over here where people, you know, yeah. have some spine and know what they're doing or right, whatever. And yeah. that, makes, that makes Sam very upset. Right. But I, I think... <laughs> I think the, uh, yeah, the takeaway is this grace is better than justice. You know, maggot, it sends grace and, and grace, you know, really wants the path to straight grace always trumps that. And, and it is a beautiful thing that, you know, Frodo, Frodo's response is just, you know, smile and, and laugh yeah. like, man, what a, what a relief that is. What a yeah. great thing. Interesting yeah. too. I, I wanted to call it out, you know, maggot's wife, this is also like I didn't go there. This this chapter is a hierarchy chapter. It kind of establishes that yeah. Sam is obviously underneath Frodo, right? But also that like the elves are obviously higher than all of them, right? Yeah. But here we see something. You know, as Maggot's walking out the door, he's told this whole story. <laughs> Maggot's wife says, "You be careful of yourself, Maggot." She called. Mm. Don't go arguing with any foreigners and come straight back. And then yeah. he says, "I will." <laughs> he, he drives off. Kind of idea, you know. I, I think of that, but behind the stout-hearted man, there is the encouraging wife. Yeah. But also, you know, wives help restrain some of our, I don't know, maybe foolhardy impulses. Like she, yeah. she obviously didn't want him out trying to find, you know, these dangerous, yeah. you know, black robed, right. You know, <laughs> terrifying yeah, demon demon things right don't around. go looking for the fight yeah yeah pretty interesting there because it seems like he's yeah. the kind of guy that kind of would i, I yeah. like that there that kind of yeah. a nice hat that she thought to put these mushrooms together right and also right. she's looking out for her husband there's really something yeah. something cool there about you know the household of maggot yeah i agree i love to and and maybe it's i, I it plays in of like to that hobbit sense thing but when they sit to dinner too like they're all like the family is all there mm-hmm. the and his workers are all there right like it's it's a big gathering and, and you get the sense like this wasn't any special meal like this is their community exists at meal time and we see that in the pubs you know in mm-hmm. uh you know in the shire but um but i i really like that aspect of it too where Hey, it's, it's time to go in for dinner. We're all, we all do dinner together because community, community happens so frequently over a meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're wired that way. I think, yeah. I think there's something about intimacy with, you know, breaking bread and sharing it together. It, yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of, it's one of those things that we're, we, we have to have food and we're always dependent on it. And Tolkien obviously is keenly aware of that because food is such a big part of the story. Yeah. You know, he, he does talk about the table. He, he puts you in this place, right? He talks about, you know, the, the farm bacon, you know, like yep. the, just the stuff here that I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, like I would love to, <laughs> I would love to plow into a huge plate of that, you know, just yeah. that, that savory kind of country cooking. I, right. He really paints that picture. And I think that's what Tolkien loved best. He, he loved that simple, you know, life with, with a cup of tea and, and probably a pipe to smoke. Yeah. You know? Right. And obviously he likes wine too. He talks about the yellow, the pale yellow liquid, the elves put in that gets him to singing. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah he makes a lot of allusions to that the the elves have powerful wine <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yes yeah which well, is not a bad thing yeah as, as we're kind of walking off i we probably can make it a tradition here to to end up with like the the thought to take away like what's the what do we walk away from this with yeah do you, what's your thought on that yeah i think um a couple of things like i think the big the big thing that stood out to me for like just like it's weird cuz i'm getting this application from a fantasy story but it <laughs> but it is that i think it's that um that gift of grace like that maggot's not holding a grudge against frodo at all you know and so i do and i do think i do think tolkien's trying to communicate that is like he's he's good stock so to speak and so like he has good stock like he's he's taking care of his family he's providing for them he's gathering them assembling them at the table you know to dine together to be together and then someone who's you know who's wronged him in the past he doesn't hold it against him and yet at the same time like you see the masculinity of maggot when an intruder comes into his land right he and he he stands his ground and he's not right he doesn't go chase him out of the gate right away he mm-hmm. waits and talks and listens and when it's clear that this this guy means to be foul then then he starts to he starts to push back mm-hmm. and so i think um those are kind of my big like takeaways of like i'm not necessarily looking for life lessons every time out of the <laughs> out, of the, out <laughs> of the book but the, i don't know that that part i read this i think i read this chapter five times this week um for some reason i couldn't like i couldn't stop looking at it uh and that part was just always really um i don't know really beautiful and fun to me mm-hmm. yeah what what do you see and what's the walking away yeah i do think there's some real spiritual truth in it i i like that i kind of have a pithy thing that's like a clean conscience can be had by doing righteousness repenting quickly and listening to wisdom you know i, I think about how how much how much stress could have been let off if frodo had gone and repented and paid farmer maggot back like those are the things that i regret from my young years is, is, you know, I think it's even if I did the impetuous, stupid thing, like what if I'd gone back, you know, what if I quickly gone back and made that path straight? I, I think that that's a maturity of age. And I think it's a lesson that Frodo learns here, but also mm-hmm. the idea that, and we're going to get it often is like, you should probably listen to your betters, you know, right? It, it's Frodo Frodo's going to have a lot of torment on himself that he shouldn't have because he really should listen to Gandalf and Gildor. Like, yeah, he, he needs to just stop asking hit Sam's safety is not Frodo's responsibility. Right. Right. And, and I right. think that's a burden that he takes that he's going to have enough burdens. That's one that he needs to trust wisdom. And for us, you know, wisdom is, is rooted in the word, right? But yep. wisdom is also rooted in, you know, or wise friends and counsel and that sort of thing. And I think, I think human beings would stress a lot less if we mm-hmm. had the humility to listen to our betters, so to speak, yeah. you know, always yeah. test it against objective truth. But I think, yeah. I think a burden can be taken off by just, just listening, you know, just mm-hmm. listen to people who have some wisdom and trust them. Yeah. That's what they're there for. You know, that's yeah. what they want to pass down. Yeah. But I Could think I... that's pretty good. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Could I throw one more thing? It was something I thought of. I think I even texted it to you. Um, mm-hmm. 
but uh one more thing about maggot he's yeah he's he's a powerhouse character in this chapter yeah we don't get to see him again for a long time so yeah yeah so there was one and the only reason i bring it back up right at the end is because we've made a very big deal about um like the gossip approach of or the Mm -hmm. gossip that we're seeing in um in hobbiton and so there's a part where he's uh maggots telling um them what's going on and frodo's being a little bit evasive and maggots obviously wise that something's up it's not a coincidence that baggins is there when the writers are there and uh and it says maggot looked at him thoughtfully i see you have ideas of your own it is plain as my nose that no accident brought you and that writer here on the same afternoon and maybe my news was no great news to you after all I'm not asking you to tell me anything you have a mind to keep to yourself, but I see you're in some kind of trouble. Perhaps you're thinking it won't be too easy to get the ferry without being caught. And so it's just that, right. It's like, he's not fishing for anything. That's not his business. He wants yeah, to Mag- help. Maggot's really mature. Yeah. Yep. I think, and that's where we get grace, right? Grace and mercy. Yep. He's a, he's yep. a very mature character. Somebody, you know, another, like that's three in a row. We had Gandalf in the shadow of the past. We had Gildor, in mm-hmm. you know the three is company and we have farmer maggot really among great company is kind of a, a sage here like yeah he's very wise his wisdom is earthy but it's yep. it's there again to see and i think he he really has it boots on the ground like it's really right. down to earth he really practically helps them too yeah so i'm glad you put that in i'm glad we we got that yeah. in yeah. well i think that's all we have for this time join us again next time on the way lesser inklings podcast where we'll talk about conspiracies 